0: Welcome to another episode of the SEM Podcast. Today we're joined by the infamous Tom Brownlow, all the way from the UK. So welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Looking forward to it. Where
1: exactly are you calling from? I'm calling from York, England,
2: which is kind of the north of England. All right. So you're not too far from the motherland.
1: Nope. On a good day... Probably two hours from the border, maybe four hours from Edinburgh or Glasgow.
2: Oh yeah, you're not, you're not far at um, all. Not far at all. Very nice. Love it.
1: Although I'm right, to say, we um, we have two kids, and I, neither of my children have been to Scotland. So we're gonna we're gonna change that this year. We've we've booked a trip. We're going to Scotland.
0: That's that's great. Good none of our kids have been to scotland either though so yeah i mean you're i don't
1: i married a scot
0: oh yeah yes. oh man no excuses
1: No, no excuse.
2: <laughs> can't wait for that story let's go oh it's, yeah it's
1: not <laughs> it's not <what> <laughs>
0: We'll start with uh, you know how you ended up in Scotland. You've listened to our format before, so we talk about how you ended up on a mission, got the call. Then we'll skip over talk about what you've been up to since then, and and then we'll have time to go back and reminisce. So if you want to start us out with how it all started,
1: sure. Um, I probably won't spend too long on this. It's a very similar story to to most Brits that served in Scotland. I um. I can't remember when I got my call, but I do remember that I left for my mission in March 2004. So it must've been around Christmas time um, that I got the call, maybe just before. Uh, I always, as long as I can remember, planned to serve a mission. um, I'm one of four children in my parents' family. Three sisters and me, uh, No, no, none of my sisters served a mission. But it was always, it was no pressure. I don't remember feeling any pressure. It was just something I'd decided. I'd made that decision years ago. Uh, so when the time came, I, I was ready to go and uh, knew it was the right thing to do. I was looking forward to it. I remember being, we call it sixth form here, which is kind of the end of high school. So 17, 18 years old. Most of my friends were filling in the paperwork to go to university. And I remember that was the time when, although all my friends knew I went to church, it was the time when I really had to tell them, like, I don't just go to church. I'm, I'm dedicating the next two years of my life to this church. And uh, yeah. I'm going to go out. you what? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, well, where are you going? I, like, I don't know. <laughs> Kind of hoping that I'd get Africa or something so I could tell him I was going somewhere really cool. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I put my papers in, got the call. I think I remember, obviously you've had Chris Mace, one of the Maces on the podcast. And I remember when I found out that Chris and I both got Scotland, because I remember getting the call and being quite happy about it, to be honest. I wasn't as gutted. I didn't want England. That was kind of, for me, I just didn't want to go to Manchester, which was an hour or so down the road, or even London. I didn't really want to go to England. So Scotland was was a good second. Um, mm. But I remember hearing that Chris Mace, who we, we had, i moved away, as Chris said, but I remember hearing from Chris that he was going there as well, for my parents, that Chris was going there on the same day. And we got the same, we got the call on the same day and I think a little part of me maybe got a bit of a, a shock that it was that was the process. I think naively, if I'm honest, I felt that the brethren sat down, Tom Brownlow's name in their hand, and knelt down and prayed specifically about where I needed to go. Um when thinking about it, the, re- the reality is that's just not physically possible. There are too many missionaries leaving for that. To be the case that I'm sure there is uh, it is a meeting that is led by prayer and, and fasting and inspiration but there will be quotas that need to be filled for certain areas and and there will be people that are dedicated to that to that area for those reasons um, so a little part of me maybe was a little disappointed that I realized actually there's a lot of us that have got this call on the same day and we're all going to the same place but nevertheless, I was, I was happy to go, and I was looking forward to it. My girlfriend at the time, and this will kind of answer your question of um, the story of my wife now. My girlfriend at the time was Scottish. Okay. Having lived in England since she was about six. Um, <laughs> so not a real Scot, but born in Glasgow, just outside of Glasgow in Bishop Briggs. <laughs> and then, um, lived, lived down in England for, well, at that time. 15 years or so 14 years so she was excited for me to go her family were really excited for me to go to scotland and they said oh we know loads of people we'll we'll tell them you come in type of thing and um yeah just got ready to go i remember not i never went to institute um but i made a deal kind of with my mum and dad at the time that i would rather than going to institute i would go up with the missionaries once a week and go do kind of Mission prep in real rather than a mission prep class, sat in a classroom at my institute. Here. Yeah. And that was one of the best decisions I made for mission prep, I think, because I, I had an idea of the reality of missionary work. I'd spoken to missionaries who were very honest with me about it and kind of explained the good parts and the bad parts of missions, and I'd had experienced door knocking, I'd experienced a bit of teaching. Um certainly never never baptized anyone. But I that prepared me far better than any Institute class. And I give that same advice today when I talk to young men, go out with the missionaries, go spend time with them. Even if it's just go and have dinner with them, go and have lunch with them, just get to know them, get to see that they're normal people, normal lads on a mission ready to, and that will help them. And it certainly helped me prepare for my mission.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's good advice. Learn that missionaries are real people before you get out there and realize how real they are. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> I remember thinking at one point that all missionaries were perfect and that I would never live up to that standard. And yet you quickly realize that that's very much not the case.
0: Yep. All right. So fast forward, you got home a couple of years later. What you been up to since?
1: Yes, yeah, so I got home uh, March 2006 i um i went to university following my mission and i and know we'll, we'll cover Present greens later on but that that was purely down to Present Green's that i went to university i went on my mission planning to return home and become a we'll column joiner carpenter um and i remember having numerous conversations with president greens where he said, absolutely, love you to be a carpenter, love you to be a joiner, it's a great career. But he kept telling me, go and do university first. So just give yourself the options later in life, go and get a degree and then be a joiner. Um, and I had no intention of, of going to university. I'd done school and I'd done all right school, I enjoyed it. But my, I'd always loved working with uh, wood. So wanted to, to go down that avenue, but Present Greens, and it was good advice. Um, he kind of convinced me whilst I was on my mission to, to, to go to university. So I came home, went to university for three years, got a degree in business, um, did a few kind of dead end graduate jobs. Whilst I was at university, I married my now wife, who is the girl that I was dating before my mission, she wrote to me throughout the mission as well. Um, so I came home and got mar- married about a year after getting home from my mission. Um, so we stayed in York, I did a few jobs, and then for the last 12 years, I've worked for a medical device company in their sales department. So I'll sell so it into hospitals, and to doctors and, uh, and nurses, medical equipment, and and really enjoyed it, to be honest, found it very rewarding and um, very interesting at times. Get to see lots of things that I probably would have never seen because I'm certainly not clever enough to be the doctor doing the operation. Um, but just about clever enough to stand in the corner and tell him how to use a piece of equipment um, that we've, we've designed as a company. So really enjoy that type of work. Um, and as I say, I've been doing it now for about 12 years. Uh, Laura and I have two children. I have a a girl called Georgia who is nine and a boy called Fraser, good Scottish name. Fraser who is six. (laughs) Um, And they're they're, they're brilliant, absolutely love them to bits. Um, My boy is football, soccer obsessed, which is great because as am I. (laughs) Indoctrinated him into, into following his dad in that way. And my little girl's have bundle of joy as well, and very active, very outdoorsy. Um, so, yeah, really enjoying myself. Stayed, stayed fairly local to both of our parents, so we get to see them a lot. Both of them live in and around York, so we spend a lot of time with our parents, my parents, and, and Laura's parents.
0: That's great. So, you didn't become a carpenter joiner?
1: No, I didn't. Did you do it as a hobby? I do, yes. I make
0: a few bits and pieces.
1: Um, made a few things from a little girl, a little desperate to sit at and uh, doodle and draw. Um, yeah, I've made a few few bits and bobs and done a few things around the house. It definitely helps being able to do some of the jobs yourself at home. And right. do you know what? Some days when I, when it's a tough day at work, some days I do sit there and think, only present greens that have convinced me I could be. Out building a house, enjoying myself, working with my hands. Instead, I'm trying to convince Dr. So-and-so that he needs certain piece of equipment. Knocking on doors almost, to be honest, trying to get the the sales in. Um, But it was the right decision, partly because shortly after my mission, there was a massive recession in the UK. So house building stopped overnight. So it would have been very difficult to, to support myself during those times. And it did, it, it exact, he never told me not to be a joiner. He just told me to go and get the degree to give myself the options. Think deep down, he knew after three years of a degree, I wasn't going to start three years of another apprenticeship as a, a joiner. <laughs> so I think yeah. he knew what he was doing, yeah. <laughs> but I- uh, a wise man. Yeah, he is, absolutely, and I miss him. I wish I, I, wish I could see him
2: more.
0: All right. Thank you for that. sounds like things are going pretty good for you. Yeah, it's It's good to hear what you've been up to. So, all right, let's go back now. You can start MTC, Scotland, wherever you want, and we'll go through areas, companions, whatever you want to talk about.
1: Okay. So, yeah, I went to the MTC in March, just coming up to 19 years ago almost. So the month, which, yeah, unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable fact <laughs> that it's 19 years ago. I don't know where that time has gone. Um, went with Chris Mace, well, both Maces, both Chris Maces. I only knew Skinny Skinless. Mace. I, mean, I don't know how to describe him other than the Chris Mace from Sheffield I knew. But there was just the two Maces myself. And Drew, although Chris mentioned somebody called Ol- Olroyd, Ol Rod, Old Reed, and I-, I vaguely remember him as well. I have to admit, I don't remember him particularly well. But there was the four of us that were coming up to Scotland. None of those were my companion. I remember my companion being a Elder McCoy in the MTC, who was co- I think it was coming to the Leeds mission, which is my home mission. Cool. Um, and he was the most eccentric person, really outgoing, really well versed in the scriptures, just very bubbly, very bright. And anyone that knows me, I'm actually quite a I'm quite a shy person. Actually, I, I don't like being the centre of attention. Where he loved being the centre of attention, so it was a complete culture shock for me to try and spend every waking minute with this person. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> But do you know what? I needed it because it made me step out of my comfort zone. I think had I got somebody that was like me, the two of us would have just retreated to the corner of the room and never put our hand up to go first and teach in front of the class. Whereas he was the first one every time. Who who wants to demonstrate what we've just learned? McCoy would have his hand up, like, would you give it a rest? (laughs) I did not want to do this, but he did. And he, it was what I needed because I, I was clearly on your mission. You don't have a choice. You, you have to be the one to do it. So he was good for me and he was a brilliant scriptorian. So I quickly realized that that wasn't a particular strength of mine. But that was okay because it, it didn't need to be because I would have a companion there who, who might have better skills in different areas than I did. But he also taught me a lot. He taught me a little, gave me a little chart. I remember it. I don't know if I maybe still have it in my mission scriptures. Kind of charted out the events of the Book of Mormon in in chronological order. Um, Really enjoyed the MTC. To be honest, at times it felt like a bit like people describe a spirit prison. Didn't it? Three weeks of intense learning and nowhere to go and very little to do. But I don't remember it being too too bad. To be honest, I, I remember enjoying it and realizing that this this was a pretty good way to live for a few years a couple of years very little stress don't have to worry about bills or what i was doing on friday night or what i was wearing or who i was going to see all of that was taken care of i just had to focus on my mission and teaching and learning um i remember learning wrestling that seems to be a thing that you you Americans love for some reason, particularly in, in not enough clothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I knew he was gonna
0: say it. I just I was waiting for it.
1: <laughs> I am like, oh, doing this again, just remind me.
0: Not uh, Zach and I. We we're basketball players, we're not wrestlers. No I tried to wrestle Elder Bear once and he murdered me really quick. But
2: he, it doesn't matter about size, he's just pure ball of strength.
1: Yeah, you, and I'm not. I wasn't certainly not now, and, and neither back then was I built for wrestling. Too, too tall, too lanky, too skinny. Um, Elder Bear would have would have floored me definitely. But yeah, I enjoyed it. The food was good. I remember putting on a bit of weight, and uh, but being ready to go. At the end of the three weeks, I was ready to get out of the MTC and to actually start the mission. I I don't remember. You might this will be a running theme. My wife says I have early onset dementia because I'm terrible memory. <laughs> um, I don't My remember. My wife says I that what, too. I don't remember how I got from Preston to to Edinburgh. It must have been on a train because kind of remember getting collected, but I certainly don't remember the journey up, and I doubt very much that I did any mystery work on that train. I, I will have been one of them that just sat down and was happy to ride the train for two to three hours um but I, saying that i do remember being greeted by President present sister greens and elder gilmore who i think you've had on the podcast already yep we have i think it was gilmore and nelson who were the aps at the time who picked us up at took us. sounds right um and i remember looking up to them like they were almost i don't know gods. I was so in awe of them, just so impressed with them. They seemed to be so different to me. and I could never envisage ending up as a missionary like them too. So they, they really stuck out in my mind as two good missionaries that, that gave me an idea of what I should be looking to emulate on my mission. Um, my first area was Glenrothes area in the Kokodi ward. And I was there for six months. Um, and I got a brilliant with- trainer. My trainer was Rory Grant,
0: who I can't believe you haven't had on yet. Um, we, and- we had him scheduled, but he wasn't able to make it and we haven't been able to link up again. So maybe you can help us with that.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm not in touch with him as much as I, I would like to be, but I, I have you a can,
0: You can nudge him.
1: Yeah, I could give him a nudge. Yes. So he... I won't tell his story because I won't do it justice. But he has a brilliant story about when he was a greenie and um, deciding that mission wasn't for him
0: whilst he was a greenie. But yeah, I'll let Gilmore. Gilmore told us his side of the story. Yeah, yeah. Oh, was
1: Gilmore his trainer? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <there you go. laughs> yeah, he, uh, he disappeared one day, didn't he? But he, he was a fantastic trainer, and I instantly got along with. With Rory, uh, we were together for three months, and I don't think we had a bad word between us. Enjoyed every minute. He was kind of the perfect trainer. Did everything by the book, but was fun and down to earth and relatable. I, um, you know, you know, when COVID hit and we all stopped shaking hands, it made me think of of Rory. Because he won't mind me saying this, and I don't know if he still suffers from it. But Rory used to suffer from sweaty hands, incredibly sweaty hands. He would often <laughs> carry tissues in his trouser pockets so that he could dry his hand before shaking somebody else's hand. Um, mm-hmm. And I often think he would have loved to serve a mission during COVID because it, <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't have well had done, to, right? he would have to shake his hand anyway. So that that sticks in my mind. Um, along with loads of things with Rory, he he was not he, he was and still is a carpenter, a very good one, very talented. Oh, wow. and um, I've seen some of the projects, some of the homes and things he's he's built. And
0: he's a very talented man. When I was in Glenrothes at the end of my mission, Rory came chapped on our door at like nine thirty at night after yeah. his mission. He just showed back up. And he's like, "Oh, I just wanted to see where I was with Brownlow and trained him and." He pointed out the stairs and said, "I remember knocking the spindles out of those." Yeah, with the, with the football.
1: Yeah. Um, so you were <laughs> still in the same flat, were you? That Same. Yeah,
0: house? I I found him a new house on my way out, but we were that was, still there.
1: It wasn't a nice flat. That was not a nice place to live. I remember we when we got there, you used to park your car on the road, and you know I've, how well, in the UK at least, often every street has a grotty house a house that is ugly and the garden's unkept and it just looks a mess. Well, our flat was that house when we turned up. And I was I was so embarrassed. I was like, this is not this, if people see us coming and going in this house, this is the impression we're gonna give as as members of the church. So I remember one P Day, Rory and I dedicated it to just tidying the front garden. And we had nothing to do with the job properly. I think we we borrowed a strimmer and we cut all the, the lawn at the front. We knocked down a wall that was half knocked down, like a boundary wall at the front of the house. We knocked it down completely so that it at least looked better than half a wall. Just tidied it up a bit, which meant we could park the car in front of the house rather than on the road. But you couldn't park it on the drive. There was an actual drive at the side of the house. I to remember we were told never to park our car there because kids would throw stones at it. If you parked it there um, that's the sort of area that it was it wasn't a yeah. pipe.
0: they took wow. the car away when i got there so Oh, did they? Yeah. yeah so we. i was really
1: lucky i had a car for
0: uh 18 months of
1: my mission so i, I was really i think the fact that i was british and had a clean license probably helped yeah i had a car for most of my mission
2: um i have you be <laughs> I was in. Spoiled. I was. I was in a car for 21 months of my mission. No way, did you? Yeah. I had work. two two separate six week areas that I did not have a car. The rest, I was in a car. Wow. I got really really fortunate.
1: Yeah, and it was nice having a car. I remember oh, when I yeah. didn't have a car. I remember how much I missed having a car. Everything right. just took longer. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, stuff that I learned from Rory. He he was brilliant at service. So I distinctly remember, can't remember whose it was, whether it was an investigator or somebody's door that we knocked on, I remember him building a window frame in the front room, the living room of that little flat that we were in, on a morning and on a night after we'd been out. He built somebody a window frame out of scratch, just because they needed one in their house. That was the sort of guy that he was. He bought all the, the timber himself, built it, fitted it, just because they needed it. And that was a great example to me of, of service. Wow. Um, yeah, good times with Elder Grant. Really enjoyed my time with him. Um, it reminds me, I do often talk about this when I see people. Um, we went to see one of the guys that were baptized, It was called Brian, and he'd served in the army, so he was quite a tough Scotsman. And he fed us haggis for breakfast, which was fine. He'd done like a Scottish breakfast, and he'd fried haggis, but it was not haggis like I'd had before. It was in little circular discs um, that were on a on a plate in little circular discs. And i I was new on my mission, obviously, as a greenie. and I'd always heard that haggis was cooked in a sheep bladder. I remember cutting through this piece of haggis thinking that the outside was really tough but being a new missionary didn't want to be rude so ate it all only to look around at the end of the meal and see that everybody else had a piece of plastic left on oh their plate, no. <laughs> and i'd eaten the piece it that it was wrapped in
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jeez.
1: anyway i mean scots don't love the english at the best of times but He just howled at us. He could not believe what this stupid Englishman had done. And I don't think he ever let me live it down. Oh, man. It didn't do me any harm. I don't remember it coming out the other end, and it certainly never bothered me. But, yeah, I remember eating this this piece of plastic, and a fairly chunky piece of plastic around the edge of this kind of sausage, if you like. Never again, never made that mistake since.
2: Yeah, that's good that's so funny
1: <laughs> so we were together for three months and had a great time and i was gutted to to see him go he left that area i have no idea where he went you'd have to ask him in his podcast but he left he went to
0: glasgow him. to be his own leader how oh, did he yeah with patterson
1: right and and totally understand why he may have been district leader when we were together actually i think he was because i remember people calling in him calling others on an evening so yeah i think he was district leader when we were together um and my next companion you have interviewed i think he's the only companion of mine that you have interviewed so far and that's egan yeah um brandon i think his first name is brandon egan
2: yep
1: and we were only together for Four or five weeks because towards the end of our first transfer together he got called as AP. so he left a week or two early to, to start that process um and I learned a real he's referred to this already in his his podcast I learned, a, I learned a really important lesson with with Egan because I'd made my mind up about Egan before he arrived and I didn't give him a chance I was absolutely gutted to lose um, Rory Grant, and I think whoever had followed, I would have given a hard time to. But he, we all know Egan, and he was a very diligent missionary to the to the letter of the law. Which, do you know, there was no problem with that. To be honest, so was Rory. He was very straight down the line. I don't remember ever breaking any rules. We were always up at six thirty, and we were always home on time, and we very rarely did anything other than missionary works filled in the odd window. But for whatever reason, I'd made my mind up that we were just not gonna get along. So for the first two weeks of my mission, I um, i don't think we ever fell out, but I just decided internally that oh, I'll just get through this. It won't be here long, just get through it. We'll never get along, we're too different. And I was keeping a journal. I kept a journal on and off on my mission, but certainly, the first six months or so I kept a pretty good daily journal and I remember writing in the journal about how I felt about Egan, that he wasn't my sort of person, we weren't getting along and he was too strict or too too straight down the line. I think I may have even used the word Percy Priesthood Um, and then naivety as as a missionary. And he never, he didn't read it without me asking. That wasn't the the story here. But I can't remember how it came about, but I remember sitting on the two sofas that were in that living room and I must have written or done something in my journal that I wanted him to see. So I kind of frispered it across to him and said, "I'll just have a look at this. As I threw it across, the page changed. The page turned and it opened up a page where he saw his name. And so he just started reading, oh, and I just wanted the world to swallow <laughs> me because I'd written all these horrible, not nothing abusive, but, but just not nice things, certainly not things that you want to write or your companion wants to read about themselves. Oh, dear. And then, do you know what made it even worse? He said, let me just read you my journal, oh, and he'd written the most lovely things about me. <laughs> Written such lovely things about me as a companion and how we were doing as a companionship. This was only about two weeks in, maybe three weeks in. Anyway, the pages that had turned were maybe a week or so old. So I said, look, I'm really sorry about what I've written. Just turn a few more pages and let me show you what I've actually written since then, because we'd started to get along by that point. So I'd said to him, Look, let's read. Let me at least show you how I feel these days. And it was purely me. It was my fault. And he he was so gracious about it. Never caused any trouble. It must have really hurt him. And I felt terrible for doing it. But it taught me a lesson that don't judge. I'd, I'd made that judgment far too quickly and based on no evidence at all. The poor guy had done nothing wrong. Yeah, we were different. But that's the nature of a mission. You've got to learn to deliver people that are different. So from that point on, do you know what? We got on like a house on fire. We, we had a great two or three weeks before he moved on and uh, no problems. And he was really gracious about it. But yeah, I, I even now I, I'm all hot and sweaty thinking about him reading those awful things that I've written about him. <laughs> oh, gosh. So yeah, I, made, I definitely made the, well, I did two things. I never let anyone read my journal and I didn't write anything that I didn't want anyone to read. <laughs> it is a good lesson yeah absolutely so so we getting left I think I had elder brown for a couple of weeks um who joined just to kind of replace him master went to VAP. don't really remember anything about that that week or two other than it ended very quickly he didn't even stay for the next transfer but i did get a good friend of mine for my next companion my last six weeks in that area was with Carl Newman elder Newman who was from the same city as me, supported the same football team as me. Uh, we'd grown up hanging around, maybe not best friends, but being in the same circle of friends and, and often seeing each other at football matches and things. And I, I could not have been happier. I was so happy. And I remember the members saying to me, have never seen you so happy, Tom, or Elder Brown, though. I was like, yeah, I'm getting a Best friends come and serve with me. And we had a great time. We worked hard, you know. I don't remember ever slacking off or doing stuff that we shouldn't have done. But whilst I was with Carl Newman, he, um, I don't know if you remember this, I don't know if you're too well around, but he smashed his face. So yeah. we, we were playing a football match with the ward members and he did a, a sliding tackle and as he went down and slid across the ground, the person that he was tackling tried to jump over him and they as they jumped and bent their knee, their bent knee caught his cheekbone and it just concaved in. It was completely concaved in. Um, He looked like the elephant man. He was in such a mess. And we had a car and I remember kind of being on the football pitch, I had no idea what to do. And the members just said, don't wait for an ambulance, put him in your car and just get him to the hospital. He needs to go to the hospital. I remember hitting traffic. I've got him in the the seat next to me and I'm like trying to take his mind off it whilst driving. I almost wanted to put a hanky out the window and flag someone to let us through the traffic. I know uh, to this day, I remember trying to talk to him about his girlfriend back home whilst he was in the car. Come on, tell me what you love about her. Tell me this, tell me that just to take his mind off things because I knew her at the time as well. It it maybe worked, it maybe didn't. We got him to the hospital. He had a metal plate put in his his cheek, which I'm pretty sure he's still got because it was a bad injury. And as a result of that, we had to go live the mission home. So for around a week, we went and stayed in pure luxury in the mission home and uh, (laughs) did no missionary work. (laughs) (laughs) And I I remember, it wasn't very insane to me, that it wasn't a coincidence we were together at that point, because we were such good friends. He said that he felt it helped Carl through a difficult time on his mission. When to be honest, it would have been very easy for him to go home because he'd had a really bad accident. He was in a really bad way. His face was all swollen and bruised, and big metal plate in his face. He'd had to have surgery. Um, and I remember president being saying, it's not a coincidence you two are together, so you can help him get through this. And that was my duty for the next four hours, however long was left of that transfer, was to to get him through that difficult time. So we spent a week or so together, at mission home and lovely bedding and getting waited on hand and foot. We then went home but got told to do no work. So for the remainder of the transfer, two to three weeks, we we stayed in. we did a little bit of missionary work. I remember going around a few of the, not missionary, member work. remember going around a few of the members in the ward, had us over. But he couldn't really eat because he couldn't chew. So it was almost like eating through a straw. So it was great at first. I remember thinking, this is the life. Don't have to do anything. Don't have to go out. I'm on my mission. I'll just sit and relax. But you soon get bored, don't you? There's no television. There's no radio. There's no video games. There's nothing can't even ring mm-hmm. home then, so I started to go a bit crazy towards the end of the, the six weeks with Carl, and we did get separated at that point, probably for the best. I'd done six months in Cardi Ward, it was my only area I'd served, and I, I probably needed to get out of the flat. But credit to, to Newman, he, he stuck that out and, and carried on with his mission. Loved that ward. To, to this day, I love that ward. I think of the flat was horrible, but the ward was great. There were sisters in the Kakadi area, but actually even the ward just looked after us. Do you remember the Watt family? Oh, yeah. In that area? He
0: I was remember. the ward mission leader when I got there.
1: Well, he was the ward mission when I was there as well. So he must have done a long time in that calling. He, he was brilliant.
0: To this day, he's one of the
1: best ward mission leaders. I know the church has kind of done away with that calling to some degree these days. But he was brilliant at it, and he made my mission, and he made me feel like I was his favourite missionary, like I was the only missionary he'd ever taken into his house and taken down to his fishing lake. And he just treated me almost, well, treated everyone like their son. And the reality was, I was no different to any of the other missionaries that came and went, hundreds of them, I imagine.
0: He told me you were his favorite. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, he
1: didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he was, was absolutely, the whole family were just lovely to us. They looked after us so well. Um, we I remember going down to the fishing lake that he owned and, and spending time
0: there. Uh, the only guy I met in Scotland who had a truck. Yeah, no, really? Um, Mitsubishi. A little pickup. Little L two
1: hundred Mitsubishi, yeah. Great man. I remember meeting my parents at the Preston Temple. Um, and I remember saying to him, I'm gonna invite you to my wedding. I really got along with them. I'm gonna invite you. And he was like, Oh yeah, of course you will. And I didn't. And he did know that I wouldn't have done it. But he never he never let on. He just he just played along and was very gracious with it. So yeah, had a had a lovely time and would um, happily have stayed there longer, to be honest but I left there and went to Grantham and in the Edinburgh board and I was only there six weeks served with Alex Rayfield and you know when you look back on your mission and you think of areas and you think yep yeah, I know why I went there and I know what I achieved there and I know who I was meant to meet and I don't know why I went to Grantham <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I, I don't think we achieved anything in the they closed the area after we left and um, it was one of those six weeks that we had a lovely flat, it was a nice flat, one of the nicer flats in the mission. Alex and I got along great, we had a lot of fun together, he was a, a fellow Englishman and we had quite a bit in common, we had a lot of fun, we worked but we didn't, we didn't get really to teach and that that was demonstrated by them, then closing the area, they didn't, they didn't just whitewash it, they, they shut the area and just merged it with another one um yeah don't remember an awful lot from that period to be honest and it's the only six week area of my mission but that that's fine i i think at one point i felt like oh it was a mistake i shouldn't have gone there but that that's not how it is i will have learned things there and i have learned probably rejection more than anything yeah <laughs> But Alex is Alex Rayfield, he he's another one. I haven't seen or spoken to him since my mission, I don't think. But he, he would be a lot of fun to get on. And then, oh, I can say that for all of my companions because I, I don't think we've, we've had many of them on the podcast yet. <laughs> but we we left left Grantham, we left Edinburgh, both of us, the closed the area, and we went I went to Kilmarnock for the next three transfers, four and a half months to Kilmarnock. And this was the closest I ever got to Glasgow as an area. Um, I had a dad that uh, I still have a dad. My dad prayed for my entire mission that I would be kept safe and wouldn't go to Glasgow. (laughs) (laughs) He was terrified, I think, of me getting mugged in Glasgow because he'd heard all these rumours about it. So I think daily he prayed that I would be kept safe and that as a result of that, or to help with that, I wouldn't end up in, in Glasgow. So I never did. And I generally put it down to those prayers. Um, well, I have talk about my dad. I have, I have a bragging right for my dad here because for two years, my dad wrote to me every other day. Wow. Three, side, three sides of, of A4 paper, standard paper, three sides of A4 paper, Every other day for two years, I had a letter on the doorstep from my dad. My mum wrote to me every week, if not more than once a week, and my girlfriend wrote to me most week. But yeah, my dad wrote to me every other day. And I used to say to him, how do you find anything to tell me every other day? He's like, well, I would talk to you if you were here. So i just write what I would talk to you. <laughs> but to this day, I'm amazed that he did that. That is amazing. Um, yeah, Kilmarnock, I... Who did I start there? Elder Midgley. Rick Midgley. Not somebody I knew from home, weirdly, because it, he didn't live far from me. But instantly got along with him. From, from the minute we got together, we just had a laugh. We had fun. I remember, it was open in that area. We were um we were whitewashing it, so neither of us knew it. We didn't have the we didn't have a car. This was other than the Six weeks in Grantham and the four and a half months in Kilmarnock. These were the only times we didn't have a car. But we had a lot of fun together. Um, he introduced me to Canada Dry Ginger Ale. <laughs> I never had one. I remember saying <laughs> to him, I don't like ginger beer. He's like, no, this isn't ginger beer. This is ginger ale. I like, oh, it's got to be the same. Just try it. <laughs> to this day, it's like my favorite drink. It's, it's so good, it's so good.
2: Very, so very good. different from ginger beer.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally different. I and mean, I don't really like ginger beer now, but I love a Canada Dry ginger ale.
2: We used to, we used to get
1: 13-inch pizzas from ASDA, and a Canada Dry, and that was our treat if we ever had a rough day. Then build your own pizza at ASDA around the corner, and bottle of Canada Dry. Do you know what? We were only together six weeks. Um, we did a lot of good and we worked really hard we maybe had a little bit too much fun and I always felt like President Reigns knew that so six weeks came and went too quickly (laughs) and uh, I stayed but Midley left Um, however we've been friends since and I know he's now moved stateside Um, I just remember thinking he was so cool I just wanted to be like him everything about him just kind of oozed class and and everyone liked him I remember just thinking oh, I've got I've got it made here so I hope we stayed together a long time um, just wanted to impress him just to be his friend <laughs> just be my friend, mate. be my friend <laughs> yeah. um, but we did get along and we've met up a few times since our missions um and met his wife and his kids and stuff so it was nice and and yeah, he's obviously moved away now, but um, had a great time with him and and put a lot of grafting to be honest, spent a lot of time dock, knocking doors because there wasn't an awful lot going on when we arrived. Whitewashing area is never particularly easy, as I'm sure you, you might have experienced. Um, but a good word, nice people. Um, my next companion was Adam Wright.. I don't know if either, do you know Adam Wright, Elder Wright?
0: I don't remember him. I don't think so.
1: so he, again, he was from... There was a bit of a theme here. I don't know why, but I barely served with any Americans. Clearly, that wasn't my choice. I had no say in the matter. Um, <laughs> but again, another another Englishman, and um, Adam had had a tough life. He'd had a tough life growing up, and it was a miracle he was on a mission, to be honest, but he really struggled on his mission. And I remember President Greens having a chat with me when we got together and saying, look, just love him. Just be kind. Just love him and and help him, which i tried my very best to do. And we were together for three months over Christmas in Kilmarnet, which wasn't the nicest of areas. And Adam, I think, yeah, the the only thing I can say really is it was a miracle he was on his mission and he, he did well to be on his mission for the length of time that he did. Um, he didn't quite make I don't know how long he made but it, it wasn't particularly long maybe six months or so I think maybe a bit more um, and in these days he maybe would have served in a different capacity we've in the UK at least we now have service missions yeah. uh, people that would be better suited and maybe that would have been a better, better role for him but he, he was really kind really nice guy he struggled sometimes with some of the um some of the requirements of being a missionary were difficult for him i remember getting up nearly every morning and ironing ironing his shirt for him kind of pressing his suit making it so that he, he would look good and he'd want to go out um i remember one day when he wasn't particularly up for for missionary work so I'm like, oh, that's fine i'm gonna go out myself and i just went out and, did, went, and i did some solo tracting. <laughs> Um, and we didn't fall out about it. I remember just saying to him, it's fine. Do you know what? You, you you take your time. I'm all right with this. I'm not doing anything I shouldn't be doing. I'm going to go out and knock some doors on my own. I didn't get very far. I think he soon found me and came and joined me. Uh, yeah, I don't had a difficult time as mission. And, and as a, a result, I probably, that was probably the hardest time of my mission, which so was three months. During that time, I got really good friends with. Moroni Cardonez, who was serving fairly close, never actually served with Moroni, um, but he must have been Paisley area at that time, and he really helped me out. We 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 struck up a friendship, whether we met at a district meeting or his own conference or something, I'm not sure, but we we built a friendship, and we probably spent more time as a four than we should have officially. But I think Moroni knew that I needed a bit of help. And so we, we spent a bit of time on P days. Um, we, we went to watch Rangers, not on a piss day. <laughs> and then we, we, uh, the four of us went to different charity shops and all managed to get a Rangers shirt of some sort. All old ones. And we all liked football. I can't remember who his companion was, but Adam liked football, I liked football. Cardinals liked football. And, and I'm guessing his companion did, or he got dragged along if he didn't. And <laughs> I remember, we shouldn't have done it. Um, I kind of roped it off as, do you know what, this is just helping me stay on my mission, so I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> I remember, we were walking to Ibrox, which was certainly not in my area, it might have been in Moroni's area, but definitely nowhere near my area, there was TV cameras. And I remember thinking, we cannot be seen on them. <laughs> So we kind of scooted <laughs> the TV cameras as we were walking into the ground. We kind of scooted round the back of the cameras to make sure we weren't seen on the cameras. And we uh, we went to watch Glasgow Rangers versus Aberdeen. I can't remember the score, but it it boosted my morale no end, and uh, it meant that we developed this good friendship. And I still he's probably the missionary that I see the most now is is Interesting little story is he. When he got home, he met my girlfriend, who introduced him to her best friend at the time, called Ashley, and he ended up marrying her. Um, so we, wow. we'll, he lives a couple of hours away from me, near Manchester, but we'll often meet up and uh, spend the day with their family. to so had, had a good time with them.
2: Maroney is one that we've reached out to and haven't heard back from, so...
1: Yeah, I don't even know. I've I've asked him a couple of times. I'm not I'm not sure if he's even listening. Uh, I know he's
2: I know he's seen my messages. You know that uh little notification on Facebook, but uh, he hasn't wrote me back yet. So
1: I'll 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 keep
2: keep nudging him. Keep nudging him.
1: He'd be brilliant. He's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um. Good families in that ward. The King family are the family that stood out to me. Um. They spent a lot of time with us. That is the only area where I ended up in a fight. (laughs) And I'm not a fighter. That is not my my nature at all. I will run from conflict. But we were knocking doors. Elder Wright and I were knocking doors. And there was a guy who'd obviously just been to a Rangers match. He was in his kit. He was drunk out of his head. And he was just shouting abuse at us from the the road. At every door that we went to, kind of followed us down the street and shouted abuse. So we just kind of went and spoke to him rather than trying to ignore him because we couldn't do what we wanted to do. And uh, this is the only time in my life I've been headbutted three times by the same person. Oh my gosh. (laughs) He he, he did the same thing to me. We were talking to him and he just kind of nutted me and caught me on my cheek. He then (laughs) apologised, shook my hand, but as he shook my hand, pulled me in. (laughs) And caught me again, <laughs> at which point I was not happy. And he tried to do it again. He tried to head up me again a third time, at which point, I don't even know how I did, but I just punched him. <laughs> swung for him, caught him on his cheek, and he was that drunk. He just collapsed in a heap <laughs> with one punch. And I just <laughs> said, well, the right, leg it, Run! <laughs> ran as fast as we could to the king's house who we did have a tea appointment with but we were a couple of hours early but we just wanted to get out because hey somebody probably saw us hit him and they didn't want him following us we just ran as fast as we could to the king's we were in a flat at the time and we we, we were there a couple of hours early I remember hamming it up saying oh my fist really hurts have you got any peas? and he brought me out a. A tin of peas. (laughs) But no, that's not what I meant. Um, Yeah, I mean tickets yesterday. So I was there, I was in Aberdeen, no, I was in Kilmarnock for four and a half months, which kind of took me to my, my year point. Um and then went to Aberdeen and I served with Bautista. Bautista, so you've had him on as well, so you've had two of my companions on. Yep. Joseph Bautista, who is possibly the nicest man known to man. I mean, it's impossible not to like Joseph Bautista. He is one of the kindest, most Christ-like people to this day that I've ever met. Just listening to his podcast, his interview, it's like he hasn't changed a bit. He's as spiritual now as he was on. If anything, he's more spiritual now than he was on his mission. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I remember his story where he's saying he was saying prayers whilst on a golf course. <laughs> that yep. is not me. I am not that guy. I am, I am muttering things under my breath that I should not be muttering <laughs> when I get around the golf course. Um, and we 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 had three months together, and I loved every minute of it. I, I knew I would get along with him. The minute I walked into the flat, which was a nice flat, I think it was on Charlotte Charlotte, Charlotte Street. Charlotte Street. I remember that because my sister's called Charlotte. So I remember thinking, oh, that's an easy one to remember. And I walked into the flat, having just met him, and it was spotless. It was absolutely immaculate. And it even got the bath filled about an inch with a solution of bleach and water to kind of clean that that film that you get in the bath when you're showering. I was like, Do you know what? Me and you are going to get along just great <laughs> because I like things to be quite clean as well. And, and he was exactly the same. Um, Elder Bautista Joseph was one of the, just the kindest people. He loved everybody. And everybody loved him as a result of it, to be honest. He taught me how to love the members. He taught me how to love the people. We were teaching. He taught me how to love the people who were begging for money on the street. He would walk around with chocolate bars in his pocket because he didn't have enough money to give them money, but he would give them a little Kit Kat or a blue ribbon or or just something. So they they grew to know him as the chocolate boy. Ah, chocolate one, Got any chocolate today? He was so kind um, and I, I would have happily stayed with Bautista for the remainder of my mission. Uh, we had three months together. I loved every minute of it. Uh, we we were zone leaders up in Aberdeen, and he loved the missionaries. He was a fantastic example. Uh, we had a, we had a, quite a bit of success, I seem to think. Uh, I seem to remember us teaching. I think her name was Sasha, Sasha, Sasha. I think she was called. She was a dentist. Who was retraining to become a maxofacial surgeon? So not without being rude, not your average investigator. Wow. Um, very clued up, really dedicated to she'd been lo- looking into the church for a long time and really respected, particularly Elder Bautista, who had developed that relationship
0: with her. I think I interviewed her for Baptist. No. So I think actually before you got there, I interviewed her and she didn't show up for the baptism at that time.
1: So I don't know whether she ever got baptized. She certainly didn't whilst I was there. She she was lovely and a really, really yeah. good member. Uh, oh, not member, but investigator, potential member. But I remember getting a bit of grief from the bishop at the time, basically saying, are you wasting your time with this girl? Is she ever going to join and the reality was she was doing what every investigator should do. And we, we probably did them a disservice if we didn't allow them to do that. And that is to sincerely look into what she was getting into. She wanted to know that what she was planning on doing was true. And that this was if she was going to sign up for it, she was going to be all in. Um, so I remember saying to the, the bishop at the time, do you know what? Give her a chance. She she's brilliant. And if, if she joins. She'll be one of the best members you've got in the ward. Don't worry about our time. We're not wasting it. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to know if she ever joined. She said she didn't last time I was
0: there. I'd be interested to know too. I just remember when I was interviewing her, she had just gotten a a new pug dog, like this little black pug. pug. And she told me, she's like, don't play too rigorously with him because he can't breathe well enough. (laughs) He'll pass out. (laughs) Yeah, I oh, okay. um, it's a uh, a bad
1: a bad breed for that sort of thing. You can't walk them too far.
2: So, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to rack my brain real quick because I, I served as in the Aberdeen zone leader area at the end of my mission and I don't remember Sasha. So yeah. I don't know if I don't again, I See, could be wrong.
1: She maybe didn't join. She was as I say, she was in training, so she could have moved on. She lived yeah. with a, a lady from Finland who were flatmates. I can't remember that lady's name. She used to sit in the lessons, but wasn't as engaged as Sosha. Hmm.
2: Interesting. Um, so, yeah,
1: and I, I, um, he's one of the few missionaries that I've uh, kind of not kept in touch with, but, uh, yeah, kept in touch with and actually came to stay with, with me for a, a few days whilst I was living at home with my parents after my mission and a friend were touring the uk and he, he came and stayed with us for a couple of days and it was a delight and my parents are like why aren't you more like him he's, a, <laughs> he's lovely <laughs> um, so we're, we're friends on online and stuff and i give him a call every now and then as i say he's state president now isn't he? which is which is no surprise nope. no no surprise at all um So he left, I stayed, and I got Elder Manini, Michaela Manini. And again, I mean, I I looked out on my mission, had an absolute blast with Manini. We were together for four and a half months. And whenever it came up to moves time, we used to write, we used to say to each other, let's both write to President and tell him how much we want to stay together, how much we've got going on. And uh, leave us together. We'll will transform the work, and so we did. And he, he left us together for four and a half months. <laughs> so I spent seven and a half months in Aberdeen, three months with Baptista, four and a half with Manini. Oh,
0: so man. you you came in there to that area, I think. As Zach and I left Peterhead, we closed that area down. No, that's not no? true. He
2: that's he not the came timeline. in. He came in and replaced Peterson. Yes. I for our last that, that was after that was after my first six weeks so he was one of my first zone leaders tom Munson. okay
1: okay oh, there you go um yeah i mean aberdeen what a place i would happily move to aberdeen tomorrow
2: um amen I'll go, places, with, I'll go with you
1: yeah uh, if it wasn't seven hours from here and I could prize my wife away from the family. I, I would happily live there. It's not cheap, though. It's an expensive place to live. Yeah, Probably one of the most expensive in Scotland.
2: It's all that oil money.
1: Yes. And, and you'd meet people, wouldn't you, that two weeks on, two weeks off, and there was the, the really rich, and then there were those that would get the money and just spend it on drugs. Right. had nothing else to do for two weeks.
2: Sheesh. Um, Very true
1: loved it though and i have been back to aberdeen with work i've I've kind of traveled that area and and been back up and it's been lovely to to go back and uh i have some friends do you remember the goldie family you must remember the goldie family
2: oh they're they're the anchors of the aberdeen ward
1: and it is amazing how often i've seen the goldie family since my mission probably more than any definitely more than any other family in scotland Um, yeah 10, to 12 times I've seen that family. Not because I go up and see them or they come up and see me, but we just seem to have a circle of friends that, yeah. that cross over. So I've been to some of their family uh, blessings, baptisms. They've been down. One of their sons lived in our ward for a while. One of their sons married a good friend of my wife. So I wow. loved that family. Yeah, um, really kind. family a good ward. But he was bishop at the time, wasn't then Bishop Goldie? Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think it was after your time because Sean became our ward mission li- ward mission leader when I was there. I think Scott was the elders' Quorum president.
1: I think Sean was Sean married Emily, didn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think he was ward mission leader when I was there as well.
2: Okay. Yeah, we we had a great time, and then uh, Ryan had just got home from his mission when I was there too. So.
1: So Ryan married one of Laura's, my wife's best friends.
2: Oh, okay. That's awesome.
1: Um, and Craig, I don't know if you remember Craig, but yeah, Craig came and married somebody in our ward. So he was in our ward for a couple of years. I played golf with him a couple of times down here.
2: Oh, man, that's so cool. Um,
1: so yeah, really lovely family, lovely area. Definitely my favorite area in Scotland of all the areas I served um, and would go back happily tomorrow. Yeah. But it it stayed, I stayed there for a long time, seven and a half months. And then, um, yeah, then from there got the call to go and serve in Edinburgh as AP for the last six months of my mission. Um, So my first six weeks down there was a weird one because the time I went down, we had Rollo and Bradley, still there's the aps i went down and got picked up and there was elder webb in the car as well in the van or the car and i remember saying to them i remember this like yesterday i said to them i know why you two are here why are you here elder Webb? <laughs> and he's like oh doesn't not tell you so, clearly not so, me and you were going to be companions because them two were going home in six weeks together I believe, was the story. So they're going to almost whitewash the AP's area, and they need them to teach us what we're doing before they go home. So there's going to be four APs for six weeks. Oh, wow.
2: How come I don't remember that? That's crazy.
1: So we kind of <coughs> think that was when they started to introduce the kind of traveling APs as well.
2: Mm,
1: okay. So myself and Web. For a period of time, did a bit of travelling whilst learning the ropes from Bradley and Roll. Now we did a bit of travelling so that we weren't all just sat around looking at each other with with nothing to do like KPs do. um And that was the first time I'd ever had a flat, a four man flat, and I loved it. I, I I'd always wanted one because missions. I mean, I have great companions, as you've heard, but missions can be quite lonely. So I always think, oh, it would have been nice to come home and. Have somebody else to talk to and mess about <laughs> and get to know. But I never had that until I got to, to Edinburgh. However, I'll put it politely. I think it's fair to say that we were different. Particularly Bradley and myself were different. So we we never particularly hit it off. In fact, it's the only time I ever remember having a bit of a not a fight, it wasn't a fight, but we played basketball. Do you remember? We used to have a basketball hoop in the car park at the mission office. Yep. And on a P day, the four of us played some basketball. So, myself and where Bradley and Rollo. And unlike most Brits, I actually used to play a bit of basketball, not to any sort of level, but I played for my school and I coached basketball as well. And I remember playing on that car park in front of the office, and it getting a bit heated. I think we maybe let let out both let out a bit of tension, Bradley and I. And we ended up almost wrestling and having a not a fight. There was no no punches thrown in this fight, but it was too physical. It, it got a bit out of hand. Um, but I remember seeing President Reeves in the window in the kitchen, just watching it and loving it and laughing. Not not coming out telling us you two need to calm down or stop. Just thinking, oh look at them <laughs> having a good strap. Um, so, yeah, we we had six weeks together as a four. Those two then, I believe, went home. Might be wrong, but that's how I remember it at least. And I had another six weeks with Webb before he went home. Um,
2: I don't know why, but I'm not. I'm f- forgetting what's other Webb's first name. Come, on, wanna come say,
1: on, Tom. I want to say Simon. Is Simon? it Simon? Rob? No, that doesn't sound right. That's really bad. And this is recording, so <laughs> he's going to know. <laughs> we'll figure it out. I want to say Simon, but I'm not, I don't think... I mean, you don't know. I, I don't know about you
2: two. Did Elder. you two call me? Yeah. that is what first I call First name is him. Elder.
1: Did you ever call each other by your first name in the flat or anything?
2: No, but...
1: You wouldn't know it. I know you wouldn't know it. And I can pretty much remember everybody else's. And I can't. I think it might be Simon. Anyway, I'm going to stop saying Simon because if it's not, it's going to look really bad. We had a good time. We got along really well. I um, We did a lot of travelling as, as APs. We, you say you served in Edinburgh. I barely ever was in Edinburgh. I don't know Edinburgh. I lived there for six weeks and I, I don't know the city at all. To this day, I've visited it a few times since. I don't know my way around it. We spent far more time out of Edinburgh than we ever did in Edinburgh. But we got along really well, and I was sad to see him go. But again, I was blessed with uh, the opportunity to serve with another great missionary, and that was Farnsworth. Blake, his first name, Blake Farnsworth. so he, he killed me off, we, we spent three months together, which was my last three months of the mission. And uh, I had a great time, had a lot of fun. Again, did a lot of traveling. I remember, I remember whilst we were together, President Reyns pulled us in and said, look, we're having a bit of problem. Missionaries keep crashing their cars. It's costing the mission an absolute fortune. <laughs> what are we gonna do about it? How do we stop this? We're like, oh we'll 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 present something at Zone some Conference. Don't worry, because we'll sort it out, we'll present something. Anyway, we then had to go and pick up a load of missionaries for using the white van, you know, the minibus that we had from one of the train stations. And I was driving, and on that very next journey, I scraped the van. <laughs> I cut a corner, forgetting that I was in a van and there was a low wall, only about a foot or so high. And I took the corner too tight. I took the corner too tight and I scraped halfway down the van. And I was then at that point of, right, well, what do I do now? Do I reverse and make that, that, that cut deeper? Or do I keep going <laughs> and scotch the whole van? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what I did. I probably reversed, I think. Oh, and man. Minimised the damage. But that same day, having to go back to the mission office and say, oh, here are the missionaries I've just collected. But you know that conversation we were having about us all having accidents? <laughs> I've just had my first accident of my mission. And I've scraped all the side of the van. I'm really sorry. And I felt awful. But he was so kind, so so loving didn't make a big deal of it, knew it was an accident and just basically said, forget about it. Um, And that, do you know what, that's the mission, my whole mission, I was in a car for a lot of the mission, as I said, I only ever had two accidents and they were both whilst serving in Edinburgh. The next accident, Sister Kenny mentioned, and part of me had forgot about it, but as soon as she mentioned it, it came back to me like it was yesterday. And she is absolutely right when she says it is a miracle that we all walked away from that without a single scratch on us. There was four of us, I want to say four of us, which doesn't sound right, because you wouldn't normally have two elders and two sisters. But I I think there were four of us, because it was in the AP car, like a silver estate, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, it might have been six, because we wouldn't have fit six in. So it could only have been a maximum of five, which is an unusual number. So I think there was four of us in the car. We were going to a tea appointment. I was driving, and I was turning right. So I remember, we were driving on the left-hand side of the road, turning right, stopped on the road, indicator arm, go to turn right. And as I turn right, somebody overtakes me on the right-hand side and just plows what should have been kind of T-boned us. At some speed. But, and it is a miracle, and it definitely wasn't a coincidence. Our cars just kind of bounced off each other. Even though I was turning a right angle right, and he was coming straight into me, we we just kind of bounced off each other. There was a small amount of damage to the mission car. The young kid who was driving, his car went into like a, a bush or a wall or a garden at some speed and almost wrote it off. We all got out. There was nothing wrong with any of us. The car had a little scratch down the side, but there was no damage, really. It was an absolute miracle, and it was definitely the hand of the Lord that, that looked after us that day, because there was there was four of us, particularly myself in the driver's seat and whoever was sat behind me, really could not... We, we could, could have been in serious trouble and might never have walked, or, or even worse, to be honest, because it was some speed. And to the, I remember him saying, I was like, what were you doing? Who overtakes somebody on the right when you're turning right? And he yeah, had no explanation as to why he was doing it. He a new driver and he just wasn't thinking. But to this day, I will often check my blind spot. And I, I think it's for that reason. I will check my blind spot when turning right, when actually you don't really need to because nobody should be coming on the outside of you when you're turning right. Yeah, that was the only other time I had an accident. I remember having to complete a, a police form because we were claiming for it. I had to say how the cars had reacted and stuff, and it, it was a bit of a miracle that we'd we'd all walked away from that that accident scrape free. Um, and that, that probably takes me to the end of of the mission. Really, I I enjoyed the time as assistant i enjoyed spending time with Present Dreams more than anything um i don't feel, feel like you ever got a chance to integrate with the ward i never felt part of edinburgh ward don't have any real memories of anybody in the ward. i think there was a something called the mason family but then i remember them being kind to us but at, it wasn't that we were friends, because we, there were so many missionaries in the wood, for a start, there must have been eight or ten missionaries in that wood, when you include the two office elders, the APs, the, the senior couples, those actually proselyting in Edinburgh as well, probably more than eight or ten. So I don't remember many meal appointments, I don't remember building any real friendships, but I do remember the time spent close to the Vreenzes and what an effect that that had on me as an individual Um, because that was the greatest privilege of of my mission or certainly of that six weeks is learning from them and spending time with them on a, a more regular basis than i had the opportunity to do so before that
0: point yeah that's great so now that now that you say about Aberdeen i do remember so I bet it was you and Bautista teaching when I went and did the interview. Oh, but I also, did. I think you were the one who followed up with some people in our area after we left. Um, not that we taught them, but I think you taught the owner of Ivy Castle. I did, you know, right? Yeah, we we were the what? elders standing on top of the car. Was that you? That was us. Both of you, was it? We have we have the pictures.
2: No way. We pulled up, parked the car and thought, let's stand on top and take a picture.
1: So did he, did he, did you know that he'd seen you? No. No problem. Well, that is, a, I've got to mentioned that actually, because there's a story there. So the Castle was a 110 room castle that was fully working. It wasn't one of them derelict castles that you go to and this was a beautiful castle owned by the National Trust, which is a, a charity here in the UK, if you remember. But Robert, Robert Lovey was his name. He lived in private quarters within the castle. He was kind of, I think he was head of the National Trust for that region. He had his choice of castles to live in, and, and that was the one that he chose. Wow. But he was a single man. Single man, no wife, no kids. Um I don't believe he'd ever married unless he didn't tell us that. But we just went on a P-Day to see the area or to see the castle. And we drove up what we, at the time, didn't know was an inhabited house. We just thought it would be another derelict castle. We drove up and it was an impressive drive, if you remember, with an impressive castle at the back. Yeah. And we weren't stood on the car, but we were taking some pictures. And Robert, from the top window, shouts, Hello! We're like, oh, sorry, <laughs> quick, like it. And he was like, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. What are you doing? Come, let's have a chat. Oh, so we told him what we were doing. And said, look, I'm, I'm really busy at the moment, but come back. Well, let's have a chat. We could not believe our luck. So we arranged a time to come back and have a chat. he invited us in, gave us a tour of this incredible castle inside and out um, an amazing man actually, a very experienced gentleman that had done an awful lot in his life and he, he mentioned that, oh I've seen two of you before, one of them was I think he said
0: one, but he mentioned being <laughs> coming on top of the car Oh just one, that was Zach then was Zach. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh,
1: oh, yeah. I was like, oh that one, I'm really sorry about that, they, they probably shouldn't have done that but don't worry about it, type of thing. And he was fine, he wasn't bothered. Um, but, so we carried on teaching him. We had a weekly appointment with him and he was genuinely interested. I don't believe he ever joined, but he was genuinely interested to the extent that every week we'd go and we'd have a lesson in a different room. It was amazing. I couldn't believe my luck, to be honest. I remember writing to President Reims and it's like, well, if you convert him, this could be the start of the second harvest. <laughs> no pressure (laughs) (laughs) but we I remember once going to a lesson in this beautiful room and they'd offered us a drink which we took um, I don't know what it was some sort of juice or water I can't remember and it was Menini and myself I think it was Menini I I don't think Elder Bautista ever met him I think it was only Menini could be wrong, that might be wrong but uh, whilst we were together, he he gave us a drink, then he said, oh, I've just got to nip out like to the bathroom or something, or to the kitchen, or to deal with some business. And Aldermanini knocked his drink over. All over this, what looked like Persian ancient rug that was probably worth more than our car. Oh, no. I was like, what have you done? So we quickly, to this day, I don't know how we got away with it. We took off, I think it was a jacket and scrubbed it dry with one of our jackets. <laughs> I'm <laughs> just trying to dry this, what could have been hundreds of years old, this rope that was laid on the floor. Yeah. It might have been water. It, it, I can't remember what it was, but we, we managed to get it dry and then trying to kind of moved where we were sat so that his eyeline wasn't looking towards the, the spillage. And I don't believe he ever found out, or if he did, he never mentioned it to us. But I remember just being so embarrassed that we'd done it, <laughs> And then just kind of took this soaking wet jacket home with us. Um, he was a lovely man. And he was on telly the other day. That in, in the UK, there is a there is a program called Anti-Drode Show, which is all, <laughs> it's all about old things. People taking old sticks that they've got in their house and, the experts tell them about it and give them a valuation at the end. It's generally the
2: same here. Yeah, They, they have it the in U- the U.S., yeah. Okay. So he was on
1: Antiques Roadshow. He turned up. They were in Aberdeen. They weren't at Five Castle, but they were in Aberdeen. And uh, they were interviewing him all about a load of uh, artifacts that he would got. And it came up, Robert Lovey and what his title was. I paused the picture, took a photo of the telly. I was like, I know that man. I taught that man. Yeah, he was quite a hype great. up in his sphere. He, he was a singer as well. He had records out. He was like a folk singer, quite a famous folk singer.
2: Yeah, yeah we off. would
0: we would stop by those grounds because they were near near to the bishop's house in 5E. So really? it was a quick stop off for us. Just because they were beautiful were you grounds at the time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Jack Jack trained me in Peterhead because I think. When I was,
1: did we have missionaries in Peterhead?
0: Did that area close after you? They closed it when we left, and you—you probably taught. I think we went up
1: to teach a couple of people in that area. There was a lady that lived in Fraserburgh.
2: Sheila, Sheila, yeah. Yeah. That we found
1: the broadest accent I've ever met, Catholic (laughs) lady.
2: (laughs) That's just Fraserburgh, period. was all all the people there there. you found Sheila did you we did we chapped into her like two weeks before they closed the area
1: right so we uh, we carried on meeting with her it was a long way for us Fraserborough from Aberdeen so we we weren't there often but we did go and see her and she was so kind so friendly and she always used to say look it's either us or you it's nobody else either the Catholics are right or the Mormons (laughs) one of us spot on yeah I remember, I remember she left she was a, she was married as well wasn't she but her husband wasn't interested is that right
0: yeah yeah so we chapped into her she was one of those that just opened the door and said come in i was praying for somebody to come away no really and that was really hard to leave that one for sure well yeah, i don't know if she ever
1: joined she didn't she certainly didn't join whilst i was there but she she maybe did after we left
2: we did hear that somebody had said that she'd been baptized in the sea or something. Oh wow! Um, and, and did join the church, but I can't remember who would have orchestrated that if it was the ward or what have you. But that's what we heard anyway.
1: Oh, that would be cool. No, I, I'm pretty sure I'd have remembered if I was there. I certainly wasn't the one in the sea. I don't remember being there. So, uh, but yeah, good lady and, and good good memories. That was a an unusual place, wasn't it? Fraser Brad. So, so broad. Almost another language. Even for a, a Brit, it was, it was hard to, to understand. Loons and, Lunes and Where Where did that come from? <laughs> That's not even close yeah. to me.
0: That was Zach's intro to Scotland. So. <laughs> Honestly, it was the best thing
2: for my mission because I had to learn the hardest dialect first. Everybody else was like
0: okay, this is pretty easy. So that was great. So you've talked about your memories with the brains. Is that something we always ask people about? We also ask people of our time frame, what was your experience in transitioning to preach my gospel? If you remember that. I mean, just just
1: before I move on from the the brains, I think it would be unfair not to just say what an effect present brains had on me as an individual. He was such a loving man. I think out of anything, what I remember is that he would do anything within his power to not send missionaries home. I, I, I mean, as as an assistant, you get to hear some of the stuff, that and it will only be some of the stuff. But you, you're asked to help out sometimes with bringing missionaries in, or so you get a little inkling as to what was going on and what some of us were up to that we probably shouldn't, well, we certainly shouldn't have been up to. And I almost remember saying to him, why, why are these missionaries still here? President? they should be gone. They shouldn't be here. They don't deserve to be on a mission type of thing. And he, he shared with me that when he was set apart, he was told that his focus and his, not entire intention, but his, his focus should be on those young men and women serving a mission and getting them to serve a mission and to come home and to have served an honourable mission so that they could live long and uh, long lives in the church and he said to me, and I will remember it for the rest of my life, he said, I send elder seven-so home, what do you think is going to happen to him? He's going to go home embarrassed, he's probably not going to go to church and it could have no end of consequences the rest of his life. So yes he's made a mistake and yes He's been a bit of an idiot, but I'm going to keep him here and I'm going to love him. I'm going to put him somewhere that will teach him a lesson or I'll help him one or the other. But I'm not going to send him home because I know what will happen if I do send him home. Um, And that that was a Christ-like thing to do, wasn't it? That isn't, I'm going to send you home to punish you, which is not what the Saviour would have done. He would have loved him and cared for him and, and helped him on his mission. So that always stands out to me as... Something that I'll remember Present Reams for when he could easily have sent many of us home. I imagine for some of the stuff we got up to. Um, and Sister Reams was just brilliant. I uh, I remember telling me off for dipping bread in my soup. <laughs> it wasn't polite. It was uncouth to, to dip your bread in and, and eat it. She told me I had to tear it up and put it in the soup. Then use my spoon to take bits of bread from the soup. But at the time, I remember thinking, "Hang on, you haven't used your knife once in this meal, and that's really rude as well." In the UK, <laughs> you're telling me how to what etiquettes like. But I didn't. But to this day, I still drop my bread in the soup rather than spooning it out using the the bread. Um, so, yeah, I have good memories of them. I remember President Reeves a single-knee prayer. Do you remember he always used to kneel down on one knee? And I remember copying him just because I wanted to be like him. He used to kneel down on one knee. I'm sure he did it for health reasons because of his knees. But I remember just copying him because I wanted to be like him. I remember his million-dollar dimple in his tie that he used to talk about. Like, oh, you've got to have a, to have a dimple in your tie. That's, he used to call it his million-dollar dimple. And... Um, yeah. Wow. So you asked about sorry, you asked about the uh I don't I mean it was it was there, the purple dragon beforehand. I don't remember it at all. If somebody would tell me that I started my mission with preach my gospel, I'd have accepted that. It just became so part of missionary work that I don't really ex- remember it at all. Pre preach my gospel. It doesn't doesn't feature in my memory of my mission. I can't even remember at what point it came in It's like it was always there, to be honest. That's great.
2: (sighs) Yeah. I mean, it it kind of trickled in at least that's what we've heard from other missionaries is I think Jack, Jack mentioned that they were talking about it in the MTC,
0: but it hadn't come to fruition yet. And then they started passing out. We got a photocopy of one chapter about, it probably would have been three months into your mission, Tom.
2: Right.
0: When we got the first little bit, but
2: yeah, It wasn't, so,
0: wasn't long thereafter. The full. I mean, that, even with the photo, even with the photocopy, that was this is it. This is the new. Yeah. This is the way to do it. And you can you can
1: see that it was absolutely needed, and it was the right thing and inspired thing to do because it's still here and it's still used, and we still hand it out to all of our young men at, at church uh, and and young women um, just to. Get them to look at it sooner rather than later. Get to know it now, because the sooner you get to learn it and love it. The easier it'll be for you. So we we've, we've given all of our young men um, and young women a, a copy of "Preach My Gospel" in the world.
0: Fantastic. Well, this has been this has been great talking to you.
1: Just... Well, thank you. It's been really good to to delve back into some of the the, the old days surprising how much you remember when you think about it
0: and we hear that quite a lot on this yeah, podcast you. so it's been wonderful we love you tom well
1: you're brilliant i'm delighted you've done it and yeah uh, i'm an avid podcast listener i listen to all sorts of podcasts but whenever these drop i always make sure i get it in the week that it drops so i commend Great. you for the time that you've put in it's a lot of effort on your behalf so thank
2: you for doing it makes a difference it's worth doing well we we appreciate you coming and participating and obviously without you this doesn't happen so and i guess the last question that we can pose to you besides your companions is there any other missionaries that you can think of that we haven't got on our list yet that uh, you want us to add and you want to hear from in the future
1: so i mean those that i've mentioned Absolutely, and I, I'll do my best to to get them. Elder Minini will be really good. I, I'm still in touch with him. I went and stayed with him in Verona for a, a few days. Oh, the nice. most amazing. His wife cooked us the most amazing, the biggest dinner you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> I literally felt like I was rolling out of the door by the time we got out of their house. Um, so it'd be great, great to have him on board.
2: Um, yeah, put put us in touch with him because. He's not a social media guy from what I've gathered. So
1: Yeah, neither am I. I, I stopped social media two or three years ago for n- reasons I won't bother you with. But um, so I, but I do have his number. I do have contact with him. I remember reaching yeah. out to him when COVID happened because Italy was – in Europe, Italy was kind of the center of COVID at that point. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to check on him and see if he was all right. So I am still in touch with him. You moved to Rome, I think, near the temple. I think he might be a temple gardener
0: well that's really cool, cool. Um,
1: so yeah I, I can't really think of many others other than those that, that i've mentioned already definitely elder grant will be, be good to get on you'd be interested to hear from
0: yeah well when this is published share it with them I invite them to to go to the website 51 Spy Law, and fill out a form um or they can email us sempodcast at 51spylaw.com too so okay, or
2: or you can have them text me on WhatsApp, like you and I have been doing. It that's been there. Good. You go. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: the best way for me. I'm I'm terrible at getting back to people, so WhatsApp's good. Because right. you can't you can't hide, can you? You've seen the double tick, so <laughs> um, you know it's been read.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's the one. Yeah. All right. Oh man. Yeah, we we love you, Tom. Thanks for being one of our great. Brothers in Scotland, we love you, and uh, it was a pleasure to serve alongside with you.
1: You too. Thanks very much.
2: All right, brother. Yeah. Have a good night. Love you. See you later. Bye Bye-bye. bye. Bye.